Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Justin Esker. Justin, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, man. How are you? Glad to be here. Awesome. I, hey, I'm glad you are here. <laughs> uh, so, so, Justin, you are an MSP business owner. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that, sounds, uh, that sounds so awful like who wants to do that anymore right right i I, you know it is i think msp is such we don't even call ourselves that anymore to be honest because we feel that msp is such like an overused term and what makes us different is that we're an apple consultant so like that term is barely even scratched our surface i like to say we're technologists or white glove service um you know but yeah we're we're an msp um well, good. So I, I joke and say, oh, who wants to be an MSP? Just because, you know, you look at the cybersecurity landscape these days and it's it's miserable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we we're just we're just turning into miserable people um, because I, mean, I just got a dark web hit like 10 minutes before we got on the call today that my own email address got showed up on the dark web with like my name, my credit card, my birthday. And I'm like, great now. How do I deal with this? <laughs> oh boy. Well, um, I, I guess I would recommend uh, what is it? LifeLock, Life Alert. I was just gonna flee the country. That's I was gonna <laughs> flee make it the easy. country. Right? There you go. Flee the country. Uh, no digital trace. Make it easy. I like cheaper it. than Life Alert or LifeLock or whatever. It is. Yeah, what, whatever they call it, right? I don't know. We. Wait, is Life Alert the the necklace that the old yeah, people wear? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> that was my bad. Can you imagine? Um, can you imagine if that was actually like a thing for like if you got hit by if you if you got data found on the dark web and you just had a necklace and you pressed a button and somehow they're like all of your digital footprint like disappeared. Now that's a product someone should invent. I like it. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we should do some testing before we just launch it though. Because nah. my my luck, it'll like oh crap! I accidentally wiped my Mac hard drive too. Like, 
that would literally be my luck. Like, oh, <laughs> put the decimal in the wrong place, and we've been siphoning millions of dollars out of the bank account instead of fractions well, of a penny. <laughs> see, the opposite side of that, right, is that, like, Google Mail just came out of beta, what, like, two years ago? Like, it could just serious? continuously be in beta, and be, and then, and then that's your... That's your write-off. Oh, we didn't know it's in beta. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> are you a Google user or uh, let me rephrase. Are you a G Suite user or a 365 user? Yeah. So so as an Apple shop, I mean, it, that's a great question to ask because a lot of people just kind of tie Apple to Google. We happen to be uh, a, at Virtual Computers, our, our IT consulting division. We happen to be a Google shop. Um, and we actually just acquired a company in Iowa to increase our footprints. And they actually happen to be an Office 365 shop. So now we are email agnostic. We're, we stay away from on-prem exchange or Terio or like Lotus, but like Google, Office 365, it doesn't matter. Okay. So you mentioned you are a a Mac shop. Yep. yep. Let's um let's let's dive a little deeper into that. Because sure. this is something that I think a lot of MSPs are really like missing out on and um like I just I just think like there's a lot more Macs these days, right? Yes, so for sure. we need to be we need to be learning how to to truly support them. Like, you know, Windows if uh if you were um uh, today's generation, I, I never know which way I need to go for this camera. If you're today's generation of, of MSP, you'd be like, oh, we should be using Intune. And, you know, Intune is basically MDM for Macs, right? So, like, wh wh what are you using? Are you using, like, Jamf or are you using uh, Adigy? Like so we're an Adigy shop, actually, yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, uh, Apple started this whole thing with MDM and now it's catching on in the Windows world. And as new operating systems come out, you know, it was really big in Mojave. It was even bigger in Catalina. And now with, especially with Big Sur and moving forward, you can't actually do anything for the most part uh, as a consultant without having some sort of MDM on your client's computers, right? So uh, they're pushing very hard on the MDM spec I have a little bit of an issue with MDM because people use it as a noun, as a verb, as an adjective. And just for clarification, MDM is just a specification. It's just a spec on how things work. The tools that are involved, they like Jam for Adagy, um, Kanji, Mosul, Simple MDM. They all call themselves MDMs also, but they're not. They're MDM provider tools, right? So, so when we say MDM, it can go either way. I like to differentiate, especially for my clients to understand the difference. So that, that all being said, yes, we're an adagy shop. Um, we do some stuff in Jam. We do some stuff in Simple MDM. But primarily for our for our Mac fleet, we're, we're all adagy uh, to handle all of our MDM stuff. And something you were saying earlier about you know more Macs coming up. It's funny to me that you know I've worked with a lot of companies and a lot of other. Uh, PC MSPs, and they always go, oh, you know, it's it's a Mac, I can handle it, and then and then they inevitably have to call us anyway. Like, it's it's understandable that a lot of the and I'll use I'll try to go with your hand gesture here, right? like the older generation things, like, oh, it's a Mac, I can handle it, it's no big deal. But like a lot has changed in the world of Mac, in Apple, in since the last four or five years, and so it might not be as easy as it seems. Um, 
And so bringing in a, a certified consultant like us uh, is probably the best way to go to make sure that you're getting things taken care of properly because you just can't do things on a, on a Mac computer the way you used mm-hmm. to without having some sort of tool like an MDM. All right, so talk to me about the the kind of like the process because I'll I'll tell you I've got Adigy and it's uh it just looks stupid okay I, I think that's the nicest way I can say it I'll um, make sure to talk to Jason about that the guy who owns it yeah uh do you, well I'm I'm working on getting a, a thing going with them too so I'll talk to them directly about that oh nice friend. So, so. <laughs> let's one up one another here. I'll talk to the owner. No, I'll talk to the other. No, I'll talk to the. If you're watching, I'll this talk to YouTube, the owner's wife. Like <laughs> not gonna go there, but yeah. No, if, you're, no, no, no. if you're watching on YouTube, send it. Send an email over to Adigy. No, um, I, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. I think that the UI for it needs some polish, and I've had conversations with Adigy about this before. Uh, to be honest, though, at the end of the day, it's not about what the tool looks like, right? Like if you have a hammer and it can put nails into wood, who cares what the handle looks like, how dirty it is or how clean it is or whatever. It puts nails into wood. It does the job it needs to do. Right. Um, Right. And I, and I agree with that. And this isn't about how pretty the hammer is. Okay. This is about the fact that uh, the hammer doesn't actually look like a hammer uh, it, it looks like a screwdriver and you have to push like nine buttons and twist it and rotate it and bop it and spin it and whatever else. And then suddenly it looks like it might be able to bash things, but you're still not entirely sure it's a hammer. Like that's my confusion with energy. Like, mm. okay, so I, I like to, to be over the top, but honestly, like I, I look through the system and I don't know what it's doing. Like, I know what it says it's capable of doing, mm-hmm. but you know what I've figured out how to do on Adigy? Piss off my pastor by every Tuesday morning, he gets like nine pop-up windows that say, it's time to do updates, please reboot your computer. Nine. Ooh. Nine yeah. of them, Justin. All, boop, 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 boop. it's bad. It's, it, I, don't even, I don't even know what I did. I don't know how to undo it. Uh, and then... <laughs> And then uh, I know how to remotely access one of those Macs. Something almost fell off my desk and I caught it. Nice. It's got intervening. Yes. Uh, And and I've also figured out how to remotely access one of those devices, which um, I've found that I have fewer steps when I just do it right through the Messages app on my Mac. So... I think I think part of this is, and, and you know, how many devices are you managing through through Adigy? Oh, there's so many. I've like four. Okay, so yeah, you're managing four. We manage <laughs> close to almost 500 devices. So I think a lot of this has to do with workflow and how you do things. And, and I'm not an Adigy expert in in the least. Mm-hmm. I am Adigy certified. I've been with them a long time. I've our company has grown with their company. Um, but a lot of that stuff, and, and this isn't only Adigy, this is true for all the MDMs. A lot of that stuff that you need to do, a lot of it comes down to like knowing how to script or being able to like run certain things. So like for a great example, uh, this isn't Adigy's fault, this is Google Chrome's fault. If you push Google Chrome update while Chrome is open, instead of Chrome like carefully managing itself, if the user opens up a new tab, it'll just fail to open any information. It'll just say, cannot work. It just gives you a failure logo. And typically 
we get an email from users being like, this is broken. All you have to do is quit and relaunch Chrome, right? It's super easy, but sure. Chrome fails to handle itself nicely as it, as we would expect. So the answer isn't within Adigy. The answer is within us to come up with a solution that we can push through Adigy. Adigy, again, is just the tool to do the job. So for us, uh, and thanks for some help with the support team over there, uh, shout outs to Pons, we've now written a uh, pop-up message that when we go to apply new Chrome updates, we push this message out also saying, hey, we're pushing out a Chrome update. If you see this logo, just press this button and all that button does is quit Chrome and relaunch it for you, right? Like we managing so many machines and that's our job as an Apple consultant or an MSB is to manage the expectations of the client. So we have to do whatever it takes. We don't rely on Adigy to do that for us. We use Adigy as the tool to do what we need to do, but we have to come up with the process. We have to come up with the way um, we want our clients to experience their computers. Adigy just lets us get there. So, so I do hear what you're saying, don't get me wrong. I, in the very beginning, when we were using it, we were having problems similar to yours. We've since fixed a lot of it. There's a lot of it in how you set your settings, how you set system updates, how, when when certain things uh, uh, should run, when certain things shouldn't. And I also know there's a lot of big changes coming down the line. Um, but a lot of this also comes down to remembering that it is just a tool, uh, and and it's how you work that tool to make it to make it work for your clients. All right, so. I, I'm sure I could complain about uh, tools and products all day long, and I don't think that would do anybody any good. So well, that's what MSPs do best, right? We just complain about the tools we use. Exactly, but ConnectWise is better. But AutoTask is better. Yeah. At the end, see, this is this is my thing, and I'll I'll say this: I am not a technologist first. I am a business person first. Mm -hmm. I started Virtual Computers in 2008. Grew it up to where it is. I've started a conference. I've, I do consulting for consultants. I do apps for consultants. We do a lot of different things to help other people. The, the business first part of it, which is the important part, is that we focus on what the customer experience is. And that's where a lot of MSPs, on both the Apple side and the, and the PC side, sometimes fail, right? Because... They want to do the, they want to have the best in technology. Oh, if I know how to script, you know, to push out a printer to 400 devices, I'm going to be a better consultant. You're not, right? You're not going to be a better consultant. You need to understand. You might be more efficient, but it's not going to make the experience for the customer better. Exactly. I mean, it, it might, but that's, it's not like the, the script isn't the reason it's better. Right. It's your efficiency and the way you utilize your efficiency that makes the experience better. And the way you explain it to the customer, the way you talk yes. to the customer, and what the product is at the end of the day that you're delivering the customer. The tool you use doesn't matter. You can build a house, a gorgeous house, with a hammer you know, that was passed down from your grandfather or a brand new one that you buy at, at the big orange store. So... You're still built at the end of the day, the house is still going to be built. And as long as the client is happy with it, who cares? Mm -hmm. That's how I That's look at it. That's very true. That's very true. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, so I, I do want to pivot and I want to talk about how 
to be an Apple shop because I, I don't think it's much different from being a, a PC shop. I, you know, it's again, is it the orange store or the blue store? It really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you're going to go to the store and you're going to buy some stuff and you're going to give them some money and you're going to leave. So it doesn't matter which product we're talking about. So, so talk to me about what, what it takes. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to guide you through it. We're going to talk about what it takes to like run a successful Apple MSP. Sure. Um, all right. So, so let's start kind of from the beginning. You said that the customer experience is what drives your decisions. Yeah. So I would like to think that the, the most important thing is that the experience is not just good. It's great. It's excellent. You know, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's one of those words that just sits above all other words, right? Because that's how great uh, your, your customer experience should be. I mean, that should be true for, for any MSP, right? Whether right, you're right. Mac or PC. But we're, talking, things, we're talking about yours. That's the only sure. difference. One of the things that, that holds us up also is that we're based in, in Manhattan. And there are 75 other Apple consultants just in Manhattan and the surrounding boroughs. So our competition is tight. So we have to be the best. Otherwise, we will lose to another consultant. Now, our, our, our latest uh, acquisition is in Des Moines, Iowa. There's only one other Apple consultant in Des Moines, Iowa. So I don't have to, I mean, not that I'm not going to provide the best there. Obviously we will, right. but I'm saying like, it's tough. Yeah. It, the, the risk factor is way lower. Right. So, but you still want to offer that best, best in class service for people. And what that really means is, you know, responding quickly, providing the right tools, providing the best that you can in security, offering them in device whenever you can. Again, being a business person and not a technologist gives me the ability to have normal human conversations with people and our clients about things that are not always about their technology. Remember, being being in IT is like 90% being a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Somebody calls you crying because the computer won't take their password and you and you find out it's because like they got up on the wrong side of the bed and their toaster lit on fire and like the Starbucks messed up their coffee order and then they come in and now their password's not working and it was the straw that broke the camel's back, right? You now have to have that conversation. You can't just be like, I fixed your password, bye, and move on. Like you want to provide the best in customer service. You talk them through that. And you know what? If you want to take it to another level and we do do things like this, you send them a $5 Starbucks gift card and say, you know what? Your next coffee is on us. We hope it's better. Like you do things like that to provide a better experience for your customer and your customer will, that builds up that karma and that customer will love you more and stay with you longer. Wow. That's, uh, told you, man, business first. giving out those $5 gift cards. I love it. And then he takes a sip of his Starbucks product placement, everybody. It's not, even, it's not even coffee. I don't even drink coffee. Yeah, no, here's, uh, here's here's one. This is uh, from a book that I read called Zombie Loyalist by Peter Shankman. Great speaker in New York City. Um, somewhere in the book, I don't remember which company it was, someone talked about that like when one of their, I think it was United Airlines or something like that, like when uh, a frequent flyer of United Airlines would have a kid or have a baby, United Airlines would send them you know, their wings pin or something like that to be like, you know, with a card like, oh, welcome to the but, you know, the, our newest member of the Frequent Fires Club and, you know, your, your baby, whatever it is. That is so cool. 
So we took that idea. And now if uh, someone in our, one of our clients has a baby, we send them a onesie that has a picture of like a bottle spilling milk on a laptop that says, I don't cry when I spill milk. I call virtual computers, right? <laughs> it's, it's like a one-off thing. It's not that expensive, uh, you know, and it's something that the, the person who's having the child, it's one less thing that they have to buy because onesies come and go. And it's something that they will remember, right? Like it's those, it's those marketing and those customer touch points that matter the most to build a successful MSP. And let's be honest, it's probably an adorable onesie and <laughs> chances are they're, they're going to remember that extra because there's going to be a picture in their, you know, Apple photo album. Cause who has a real photo album anymore? Right. But they're going to have, they're going to have a picture somewhere on their phone of their baby in that onesie. And when I say yep. a picture, I mean like 97 pictures yep. all taken within the span of two minutes. <laughs> Um, that's exactly right. And that's, and, and like, it's not, a, we don't do it to be sly. Like our goal mm -hmm. isn't, Oh, they'll remember us. Only use. Like our goal is like, we, we appreciate that you brought a, a human being into this world and we appreciate you as a customer and we wanted to do a little something nice for you. And so here we, you know, we send them this and, and will it, you know, does it work sometimes? Does it work? Not always. Does it work? Maybe like it depends on how good the onesie is, how memorable it is, whether you're actually, just doing it for the sake of hoping for more business or you're doing it because you actually give a crap about the person, which is really important. Hmm. I like that. So uh, what, what you're saying I need to learn how to do is care about people. I know it's hard. That's why we got into computers, right? <laughs> like the computer is our friend, but like <laughs> as right, an MSP, right. we have to go, we have to go outside every now. I know it's hard, hmm. but Sunlight hurts. Just you have to go outside. <laughs> That's well, you know, I I've been working my way up to sunlight. I have these sunlight <laughs> colored bulbs on me. So <laughs> there you go. You set your hue bulbs to like natural sun, Tahitian beach, or whatever the, the, the well, color these, frame is. These aren't hue bulbs, my friend. These are actually the Elgato key lights. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm rocking one of those also. Elgato makes some nice stuff. They really do. I um I was disappointed in their microphone. So uh, now, really, I'm using the Wave One right now. How do I sound, Internet? Do I sound good to you, people? I'm echoey. watching on YouTube. Hi, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, you sound a little echoey. <laughs> you asked. I mean, I did um, ask. I asked. For, could... yeah. I always do that too, right? I always ask for like a recommendation that I get mad when people give me a recommendation. <laughs> Well, I have a recommendation. You should go to the Elgato website, and now now they have like wave foam panels to really? put on your wall to help with um, echo reduction and EQing and et cetera, et cetera, oh, cool. et cetera. Yeah. So so check those out. But but me, I'm rocking the. Let's see if I can do this without knocking over a pitcher of water. I'm rocking the Blue Yeti. Ah. It's it's a. It's a very solid microphone I found, and you know I can I can even hide it way up here, and I probably don't sound terrible. Do you watch a lot of Do you watch a lot of YouTube like uh you know on I'm sorry let me do all the memory. Do you watch a lot of YouTube videos of people's at home YouTube studios? I find myself like going down that rabbit hole a lot. I do, and I get frustrated, and uh, I've only got 
two and a half years left on this lease and then we can get a bigger house. Uh, <laughs> I watch it all the time and I go, Oh, I really wish. And then I'm like, and then like, I, I really need Okay. If, if someone wants to make this, I need an app that if I go from YouTube to Amazon, like if I'm on YouTube and I go and I open up another browser, I go to Amazon, I need this app to like intercept that and go, no, you don't need what you just saw on YouTube. <laughs> Well, I do though. Uh, my wife doesn't believe me, but I do. Um, so, <laughs> so let's let's talk about your studio for a moment and the fact sure. that your wall behind you matches my shirt. Oh, yes. so yeah. So this is um, I use an Adorama MC90 uh, little box LED, um, and I just started using this behind me. Normally, this is white. But I just started using this because I'm I'm working on a new like depth of field thing. People can't see this because I'm because the way stream Streamyard has me. But I have like it's a pretty there we go pretty wide view here. Went out got some like nice uh, Edison bulbs. That's a USB. You can find this on Amazon in any shape you want. And then behind me is just a stool with a little light and a diffuser on it. And this is the vinyl. It's not even real brick. Nah, man. It's so fake wall, but Dude, it looks good. I, it, well, especially on this view, I didn't notice the like wrinkle or whatever that like, there's a couple lines. Yeah. Like if yeah. you, if you go, yeah, there's that one. And no, then if you go down. Print. But, oh, you what? know what this is from? This is from me trying to take the wrinkles out using a steamer. And I have, um, I have a uh, studio black paint behind it and it like seeped oh. through. <laughs> That's the oh man, that's unfortunate. It looks okay. All right. like it. But yeah, this is my studio. Uh, I recently built this. This is actually the third iteration of my studio um, since moving from my downstairs office to my new upstairs office. I'm rocking a Lumix G7 camera. Uh, I got a Mac. I have a Mac Mini under my desk. My whole desk is on wheels. Uh, Elgato key light, a Wave One microphone. Um, and I'm going to be building a teleprompter with a seven-inch screen built into it uh, so I can do Zoom calls a little bit better because my camera is about 12 inches higher than my monitor is right now. So I can't actually see you making faces at me because I'm looking at my camera for the audience as opposed to looking down at the screen. So that, that I'm going to fix soon. Um, but I've taken a lot of inspiration uh, for the studio from – uh, Josh Yeo, a uh, make art now on YouTube. And um, there was another, he had a, a, a grant something. I forget what his last name is. Um, the guy who reviews all of the, of the cameras, uh, this guy, he went and actually like interviewed other YouTubers and like judge them. And then he met these, uh, a couple that's up in Canada. I forget their names off the top of my head, but they did something similar with the, and that's how I got the idea for the hanging bulbs and things like that. And it's all, uh, IOT controlled, so I can I can ask the lady in the box to turn it on and off also, which is cool. Now, <clears throat> I assume we're talking about the same lady in the box. Um, I, too, can say, hey, Siri, get to work. Nice. Hey, Siri, go live. <laughs> Mine's going off over there. That's funny. I'll be quiet, you. <laughs> uh, I use, now I actually have both in my office. Um because the rest of my home is uh, uh, the Amazon lady in the box. And I really did want to just get a, a home pod just to test with it. But the rest of the house is um, the, 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 the Jeff Bezos box. <laughs> I, you know, 
I I was using that one for years and I upset my wife and I bought two home pods and then I upset myself when six months later Apple decided they're not going to do home pod anymore. No, they're only um, not doing the big ones. The minis are still the home pod minis are the, still going to be sold. But the big one sounds so much better, man. I think the that was does short sound sighted. a lot better, but it's also four hundred dollars, right? Uh well and I was okay buying two of them. So well there you go. The 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 Jeff Bezos box, as we're calling it. Um, the only reason I like that better, especially like for my because I have one in my kids' rooms, is that it has mm. games. It can play any music from any source. Apple, as much as I love Apple, keeps you in their ecosystem. Yeah, that does, uh, so yeah. there, and there's not a lot of expandability yet. I'm I'm hoping that somewhere down the line they fix that. But for now, when my kid wants to play the Pokemon quiz, he can do it with with uh, uh, the Amazon box. You can't yet with um, the Apple one. Got it. All right. So I had a quick. Oh, the the only other thing I wanted to try real quick is I noticed that that you've got that very nice cinematic look. If I if I turn this light off, do I now have the nice cinematic look? Is it's all about the depth of feel. I mean, it depends on your camera. It depends on your. Light. That's why I do the purple light behind me for a little more depth. Um, you know. I, I watch again. I watch a lot. I watch a lot of. I, I don't. I watched. Let's put it that way. I watched a lot of YouTube. I still watch it now. Uh, on on home theater. And when I when I built this now final version. I mean, even down to my clothes. Go check out my YouTube channel. You'll see me wearing this shirt in almost every every episode because it looks right and I look great in it. Uh, with this light set at a specific way with these lights. I have markers on the floor. I put some blue tape on the floor for where my feet should stand. Um, wow. You know, like, and I built this whole table out from an Ikea desk that I boosted up on wheels and I put a whole front cover on it. Um, and I have LED underneath it to give me some underglow from that side. Like I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out after like filming in my basement. So if you watch the first couple of videos, you'll see me like on just a black background. That's just me in my basement in the dark. And then building it up over time to what it is now. And, 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 you know, this is my final product. I really like how it looks. I think it works really well um, for camera and for video. And so here we are. Hmm. I like it. All right. So let's go back to IT stuff. Um, sure. So I see I've got a couple questions in the chat. We will get to those. But we were we were talking about the Apple stuff and then mm -hmm. Squirrel because my my shirt literally matches your background right now. Um, all right, so uh, we talked about how um, I have to care about people. Yep. And and I have to uh, you know have conversations with them instead of just respond with one word email replies or something like that. So. Um, what is kind of the next thing that you have found really helps for an existing customer? Um, you know, besides being a nice human being. Um, you know, I leverage that one a lot, to be honest. I mean, obviously you, you have to solve the problem that, that mm -hmm. if you're only doing the psychological part of it, you're not solving the problem. You're not doing any good. Um, setting expectations is huge also. I find that especially a lot of solopreneurs will answer client emails after hours and then get mad later when those clients keep emailing them after hours. You set those expectations. You need to fix that, right? So in order to be a good MSP, 
you have to set expectations with your clients, uh, whether that's written in a contract or in an email, something expressly on your website. But to say, you know, my hours are nine to six, I don't work weekends, you can't bother me, or I do work weekends, but it's a limited support or it's going to cost you extra. Set those rules and make those um, one of the pillars of your business, right? So I believe in a couple of different things. One is having <clears throat> pillars of foundation, such as like setting your rules, how you're going to do things. And then also we have um, more, you know, soft pillars like our, our non-movable truths, which is like for us, we one of our non-movable truths is cool as a cucumber, which means like we we will not get upset in front of a client. Like we, if we have to hold back tears, if we have to fight, even if the client is yelling at us, our job is to be like, we hear you. We understand even and if you need to recluse yourself from that, from that situation, then you do so. But, you know, not yelling at clients, things like that. Educating our clients, education connection is another one of our, our pillars, um, being truthful, things like that. And it's all on our website, but setting up what you want your business to be. Again, so many, so many MSPs are technology first. And so they forget about the business, the core business components that are needed to actually run a business. And so you need to build those pillars, build a foundation, and then you can keep, and then you can have a successful business that will last, you know, and even potentially beyond your time. Okay. So let's talk about selling specifically Apple IT services. Sure. So I suspect uh, you are still at, at the core of your business in MSP, which means you're you're going for that sweet, sweet monthly recurring revenue, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So how do you how do you approach a business and say, hey, do you run on Apple computers? And how how would you like to give me hundreds of dollars a month? So that's a little bit of a sore topic. And, and the only reason why is geographically speaking, how I work is very different than how the rest of the country works when it comes, especially to being an Apple consultant. So a couple of things. One is at Apple, there is an actual program called the Apple Consultants Network. You are, It's a, a program you get into. You have to be certified. Um, you have to, uh, there's a, a fee for it. And then you can be listed on the Apple Consultants locator website. So if a client is looking for Apple help, if they call Apple, Apple will send them to this website. And on there, they will find you. So if you type in our zip code, 10120, you'll find virtual computers with 102 five-star reviews and one one-star review. And that was my fault. And I totally own it. Um, that's your first step, right? Is getting into that Apple consultants program, which I think just reopened to new entries. Um, so double check, you got to check with them, but that's the way in. From there, however, marketing as an Apple consultant is very different than marketing as a PC MSP. I've seen a lot of PC MSPs use fear tactics. Oh no, your stuff's on the dark web. Hurry up and use our service and we'll protect you. Mac people aren't like that, uh, you know, and 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 stereotypically so, right? A lot of people think Mac people are more chill, they're laid back, they don't care as much. And that, however, is changing over the last year. But up until the last year has been, unfortunately, the truth. So finding clients who need Macs have been kind of a, a little bit of a tough thing. Um, so we really rely on the consultants locator. Now, outside of Manhattan, a lot of people 
work with the Apple stores. So at the Apple store, there is typically a business team and the business team's job is to provide clients who come into the Apple store consultants to work with. And the business team won't just say, oh, go work with Justin and Virtual, but they'll say like, oh, here's Justin, here's this person, here's that person. And they'll facilitate phone calls so that way we can talk to the client and depending on what Apple has talked to them about, kind of piggyback on that and work with them and take, you know, and help them out or work on a project or things like that, and then work our way into monthly recurring. So, you know, some of the traditional uh, marketing materials that, that are out there for PCs don't really work on the, on the Mac side of things. And that's, you know, something that a lot of Mac people really need to be working on, uh, which is topics, and I'm gonna pivot into something else for a second here. I actually started a conference to talk about the business side of IT consulting. Um, it is specifically for Apple consultants, but PC MSPs are more than welcome to join because there's no Apple topics. And one of the big ones is marketing and social media. I apologize for the dog. Um, because getting out there and marketing is a tough thing to do. And unless you're in one of those, you know, twelve, fifteen thousand dollar a year programs that you're all selling sending the card with the aspirin on it to the mailing list and you stole from the phone book or something like that, it's hard to find those clients. But as things move forward and as the Mac uh, share grows, as more people are using iOS devices and iPad uh, management and iPhone management is a huge part of any Apple consulting business, uh, that's going to get better and bigger as we move. That, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. That sounds uh, really awesome. And so you said you rely on the Apple consultants network. I, um, just for giggles, decided to take a look at this Apple Consultants Network here. And when I type in my zip code, I'm I'm Share down here. I want to see this. I want everyone to see this. I'm I'm way down here. Okay. You see you see this one that says Medina? Uh I only see consultants locator. I see Global Mac. Oh yeah, on the map. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Yeah. So I put it in the middle of the map now. Yeah. It says Medina. So those are my four closest consultants. And you'll see here's Akron and here's Cleveland. Uh, any one of these consultants are minimum 45 minutes away. Right. So, like, if you're in the Medina, Wadsworth, uh, Green, Worcester area, like, there's an opportunity here. And, hey, who knows? Maybe I'll... Uh, capitalize on said opportunity. So, so literally, all I got to do is click this button, become a consultant, or just fill out a form. It's free, right? Because they don't charge people for things. <laughs> there is a cost. I don't. I don't know what the cost is at this point. But there, you, there's a cost, and you have to pass certifications for it. Oh, there oh, it is. Good. Eight forty-five. Eight forty-five. So way more affordable than the uh, developer network. Oh <laughs> goodness. So. So yeah, and then they've got all these requirements, and you have yeah. to have uh, you have to have insurance. You How do. dare they? This well, is America. Right? Because I can have insurance or not if I want to. Yeah. But if you think about it this way, right? A lot of the times, and this is no fault of anyone, but especially, and we've had this happen where a client will call us thinking we are Apple, and we're not. We're mm -hmm. virtual computers or virtual consulting groups, depending on who you're calling. We're not Apple. So 
But Apple knows we're trading on their name. Apple has given us the ability yeah. to use the Apple Consultants Network logo, which means we have an Apple logo <laughs> on our website. And so in order to maintain standards, you know, there are rules that you got to play with with Apple. And they're not terrible rules. Sure, you have to have insurance. But you know what? As an MSP, you should have insurance anyway. And we can talk about that if you want. If you're an MSP and you're running around without general liability insurance and E&O insurance, you're going to ask for trouble. Get coverage. It's not expensive. Get coverage. That's very, very true. Um, and with, uh, is it with, I think with Farmers and even with Hiscox, they have a very special type of insurance policy that they call the BPOP business professional owner policy, maybe like, so basically what they do is they've taken the, the liability and the errors and omissions, and they've just merged it into a single one for that sole proprietor. And for it guys, like here in Ohio, it's like $80 to get that with a million dollars in coverage a year. Like it would be foolish to not, I'm sorry, 80 a month. Uh, It would be foolish to not get that. I suspect over in New York, it's stupid expensive. It's not that bad. It's honestly, we we have Hiscox and it's not that bad. And keep in mind, we're also, because we're multi-city, ours is very different. But yeah, the fact of the matter is that like, it's really easy for you to just gain too much static electricity in your body and touch a computer and shock at the hard drive and have the owner sue you for millions of dollars because it was... It was pictures of their kid wearing a virtual onesie, bringing it back, uh, that they lost. You know, you don't want to be responsible for that. So get get that insurance coverage. But, yeah, going back to the Apple thing, there are the requirements because of that. Um, but it's worth it, right? Because mm-hmm. Apple, we work very closely with the, with the Apple Consultants Network administrators. We work very closely with the stores, um, the business leaders at the stores. Uh, and Apple also gives you access to things as a member of the Apple Consultant access to systems engineers. That if you're running, you know, you want to do a big project, you have a client who's come to you and says, I have 10,000 iPads and I want, you know, I want you, Steve, to roll it out for me. You may need to talk to a systems engineer at Apple to make sure that not only are you rolling it out the right way, but that you're thinking about all the different angles and stuff like that. You have access to that as a member of the ACM. So, okay. I'll say that's pretty awesome. Yeah, there are a lot of benefits that outweigh the cost. I know there's, and you know, you get a couple every now and then. You get a, you get partnered with uh, great partners. We have partners that are in there, like Sign Easy and Daylight. They hook you up with certain discounts and codes and things, and you know, the bells and whistles. Uh, Will you get free swag from them, like you do if you go to a, a, you know, a regular conference? No, but like, really, who needs another Microsoft Office tote bag that's made out of like toilet paper? Oh boy. Oh, I remember I went to the the last like Microsoft conference I went to, I got a free copy of Office 2008. Nice. And a free I'll copy of Windows Vista. I'll tell you a quick anecdote about Microsoft. This is a true story and anyone who knows me from home knows I'm telling the truth so you can back me up. Uh it was 7th grade and my parents had bought me a Mac LC2. Thanks mom and dad. And the school got Microsoft Word, and it was 14 three-and-a-half-inch disks. And so I asked the <laughs> computer teacher, can I take this home and install it on my own computer? And, of course, she didn't know any better, and no one knew what EULA was. This is 1992. And so right. she goes, sure. So I take the disks home, and I install it on my computer. And as I'm installing it, it goes, 
what's your name? And I wrote Justin Escar. And they were like, what's your initials? And I go, J-E. And they go, register to Justin. And I go, great. And so then uh, I go back to school with the discs. And I say, you know, my te- the teacher goes, hey, can you help install this? And I go, sure. And then all of a sudden now, every computer for the next six years, when you launched Microsoft Word, said, register to Justin Escar. <laughs> Oops. As opposed to the school in the school district. Yeah. So they were fine with it. Um, but at the same time, they were like, nah, great. And actually, we've made a big joke. At it. I have friends who would be like, hey, you remember that kid, Justin Esker, that was on all the computers? I'm going to his house, like stuff like that. So but I, that's how I made that was one of my first marks in the in the computer industry. <laughs> now, now, someone just yelled at me to get my cat out of here because this is unprofessional. Like I can control a cat. Do you not understand cats? Come on. <laughs> Get out of here. So, um, all right. So business consultant network seems, honestly, seems worth it. It's under a thousand bucks. You should already have the insurance policy uh, for your business, whether you become an Apple consultant or not, because... Yes. That is stupid to seriously cat. And if you don't, uh, if you don't want to become an Apple consultant, you you know, and you're a PC client, uh, PC MSP, and you're looking to do more Mac stuff, or you need help Mac stuff, leverage the consultants network and partner with somebody. You know, we mm-hmm. partner with plenty of PC consultants to help them with their Mac. Don't get me wrong, we could do PCs just as well as y'all could do Mac, uh, do Macs, right? Like every Mac shop has that one PC because the bookkeeper knows that QuickBooks only works on PC. Like that mm-hmm. happens, but Sometimes we need to bring in an expert to help out with certain things. So, you know, partner with an Apple consultant if you don't want to become one yourself. And and let's be honest, you you could be a PC MSP, but if there's 75 Mac consultants uh, on Manhattan and surrounding boroughs, there's like, what, 1,200 PC MSPs? Yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be something ridiculous. And then there's then there's me over here. There's four. In a, in a one hour radius how how angry are you about that uh not really because now i kind of want to talk to you about becoming a, a franchise of virtual computers and i'll loop you into my program and then you become a, a virtual computers and then we'll get it in where, where you are in ohio i love everything about it let's do it justin where do I I love ohio. we have a good friend uh brian burke from sell your mac is in cincinnati ohio i think i'm pretty sure it's in Cincinnati, Ohio. so big big ups to him for for being out there with you that's that. Well, I mean, big props to anyone that can be within my radius and put up. <laughs> so same with this cat, right? Yeah. Right, is he? Okay. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk about sales. Sure. So PCs, you know, we, there's a lot of MSPs that will argue all day long about pricing just like they will about the tools that they use, right? So mm-hmm. with with the Mac stuff that you use, how how do you price your services? Is it is it like per user all you can eat, per device plus per user? <clears throat> what, what are you doing? So when I first started out in 2008, you know, I was doing things the way my old boss used to, and, and, and they weren't really the right way to – I was selling 100-hour packages, giving you 15% off if you paid cash today, things like that. And, and that so was definitely not the right hours? way to do 100-hour packages, right? Like it was ridiculous. But I didn't know any That's better. amazing. Uh, and then I read – and everyone, if you're starting an MSP or you have – 
even if you're an MSP now and you still want to get a refresher, everyone should be Carl Palinchuk's uh, MSP yes. a month for sure. Um, that guy's a genius. And so I read that, and my takeaway was that I should have three pricing models. And since having read that a couple of years ago, we've moved really to two pricing models. So pricing model A is our pro plan, what we call virtual care. And in that, you get monitoring, uh, updates, uh, access to MyGlue, and uh, access to your computer or my computer inventory, your lifetime inventory program that we use. And that is a set fee per computer per month. And then anything on top of that, help support whatever, billable time by the hour. Then we have our all-inclusive, which is all-you-can-eat hours. I mean, legally speaking, we only give up to 100 because lawyers are weird like that. But it comes with all that stuff from the pro plan plus more. Um, and that has its set pricing per user per month. So we, we let people kind of choose. Basically, we want people in our all-you-can-eat program uh, which we need a, excuse me, a better name for, but we want them in that because this way all their IT is covered, right? And they don't have to worry about it. And that's that's how MSPs should work. But I know plenty of MSPs, especially in the Apple world, that are that are only do a pro level plan where they only do hourly. And I have a, a couple of friends who don't even do that. Everything is hourly. So it's market driven. You know, it's the number one rule of business, right? Location, location, location. You have to understand your clientele. I What works in New York City doesn't work for us in Des Moines, always, mm -hmm. right? Our price for New York City isn't necessarily our price for Des Moines for certain things. Um, and 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 as we, Virtua, grows, right? If, let's say we bring you on, Steve, as, as Virtua Ohio, like that price might be different again just because of your location and what you're doing. Now, that being said, there are services that we offer that will be flat rate across the board. If we're going to do dark web scanning, for example, that's the set price. It doesn't matter where you live because you need this and it's based on your domain and things like that. But the per user price, and that can that would have to change based on your location and who you are, what you're doing. You know, Are you a startup? Are you a nonprofit? We love nonprofits. We speak nonprofit. Um, or are you like a mega you know, graphic design firm? So... All of that stuff comes into play. And so we try to cater our contracts as much as possible to the client, providing the right tools, the right services, um, the right level of security, things like that. And we price accordingly to that. So it's not just like, oh, it's $200 a machine and like call it a day. You can't do that. You have to be flexible, which don't get me wrong, is a pain in the butt when it comes to managing invoices. But that's a problem. That's a good problem for us to have. And, uh, and and it makes it better for the client because we've catered to them and provided them a better product. Okay. Now, <clears throat> did you mention pricing for those? I'm not, I don't, I don't talk what my numbers are public because they change depending on who I'm talking to and where. That's but that, in terms of the actual price, no. Okay. Um, I can tell you the average Apple consultant charges somewhere between 150 and $250 per hour or per computer, depending on who you're talking to. So it's going to okay. be somewhere in that range. That's that's the, the going rate right now from my research. Um, but, you know, your mileage may vary. And I, I'm okay with a range. That helps. And I, I suspect that the per computer, per computer price in that range is for the higher package, not the lower package. Uh, it depends. Yeah. I think most in terms of that number, that range, those are usually the all inclusive numbers. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you can so, charge 250 per computer and then charge hourly on top of that, good for you and you're doing something right. You know, I know a guy. I know there a guy. There you go. All right. So let's talk security on a Mac. Okay. The the cool thing is Mac OS can't get viruses, so you don't need any. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I, I, dude, you PC people love to make fun of Mac people for that all the time. Yes, technically speaking, that's still true, right? Macs don't get encryption wear, Macs don't get viruses, but Macs can get malware. We do install malware bytes on our on our client machines. We still scan for that. Google Chrome virus, like Google bad Google extensions, that's still a thing on a Mac. Word sure. viruses, that's still a thing on a Mac. So, yeah, while the Mac can't get what's traditionally known as a virus or encryption where there's still plenty of BS that happens on a Mac. Now, that said, Apple has done a lot to protect that Mac operating system, right? Mm-hmm. Apple has installed Gatekeeper. Apple has installed things where apps need to you require username, to, uh, username and password to install. Uh, they require an up-to-date certificate. To, to be installed, otherwise it warns you. Now you could blindly click through all of those and get something on your computer, but That's if you I took recommend. four seconds for when you see an alert that says, "Hey, this certificate is out of date. You sure you want to install this?" Before you click yes, then you, you you'll be on the safer side. But human error is what makes IT companies go. So there's still going to be things. I mean, I, I, every day we get a bad Google Chrome extension or someone gets, you know, and there's a lot of tools out there that help that, that claim to fix your Mac. And I'm putting that in air quotes in case you don't watching the YouTube video. Uh, Those themselves are also malware. Stay away from those. But I love Mac keeper. Um, No comment. I can list you six more that I will still not comment on any of them. Clean my Mac X. No comment. Keep going. <laughs> I don't know any others. <laughs> so, so seriously though, you you don't. What is it? You don't like? You don't trust? I'm I'm gonna go with clean my Mac X because legit, I have it on my computer. Go. I'll say this. Do your research about them and and the problems that have come. Anytime I see it, I uninstall it. Their history has not bode well for them. There are better ways to manage your machines. If you have a Mac, stick to the known good systems. Malwarebytes is great. There are Mac antivirus if you are required. Uh, some corporations require the Macs to have antivirus because it's the corporate ruling, right? So like we take care of a marketing department inside of a larger corporation. We have to install Sophos or you know some virus, antivirus software. Sure. Totally and I guess when I look at tools like Clean My Mac... I do not consider this to be like an antivirus or an anti-malware type of program, even sure. though it says it has protection on it. Um, I use it honestly because uh, it's just really convenient to use this to like clean my my trash can and the the cached files and like here, look, I've got eight point six gigs of crap to clean up. Now restart your computer. The Mac has that all built in, dude. Go to Are you serious, to, yeah. Apple menu, uh, about this Mac, click storage and click manage, I think it is, or optimize. And you'll see a thing and I'll show you all the largest files you have installed. It'll help you declutter your machine. It'll set up a thing where you can automatically empty your trash after 30 days. 
you can see um, uh, I'm trying to remember what's on there. It'll offload apps that you're are not apps you're using, uh, TV shows that you're not watching, things like that. It's already built into the Mac. There's no reason to put a third party app that's gonna that's gonna try to tangle itself into the operating system. Also, it slows your computer down. It starts. All right, ready for this? Anyone who's watching on YouTube, we're gonna do this. Uh, I'm doing this off of my head. Mac hard drive library launch agents and launch daemons. If you go in there, you'll find a bunch of stuff in there. Those are things that start when your computer starts. The more that's in there, the slower your computer is. Take a look, don't just go ahead and blindly delete stuff. But that's the best way to do it. I thought. Yeah, RM dash RF start on start. Um, you go in and you find the one. You start taking those out. You'll see how much faster your computer runs. There's no reason to use tools like the one you've mentioned um, because one, restarting your computer fixes 95 percent of problems, and two, the stuff you're looking for is built into Mac OS. And three, if you really need security, you can't use that anyway. Yeah, no, and and like I said, I don't. Okay, so like when I look at this, it says my news app has five and a half gigs of cache, and so this would like clear out that cache. How big is your hard drive? Hold on, hold on. How big is your hard drive? A terabyte. What's five gigs? Well, when I have twenty-seven point nine eight gigs available right now. Delete your mobile backups from your iPhone before you delete news cache. News cache, and if you're in and if you're using Apple News for news that often, let the cache sit because you're going to need it. Hmm. Look, okay. every consultant can tell you something different. This is the way I've run my business and the way it does. I, I, I'm a big believer. No, and I and I appreciate it because I do not consider myself like a Mac shop, uh, <laughs> and I I you will I wouldn't soon put this. Ohio coming soon. And I, I'll be honest, like, I wouldn't put this tool on, uh, like a client computer, but sure. I put it on mine because I find it, e- I find it neat. I find it interesting. Um, getting That's my fun. kids iMac. Oh, uh, Eric wants to know the location that you rattled off. Location. <clears throat> so I think it was, uh, go and then, so, for the, uh, so Macintosh Mac drive library uh-huh. uh launch agents and launch daemons that's system wide and then if you do if you hold the option key while clicking go there'll be a library in there that's the user library also launch agents is in there yes. i'm doing this from memory because i don't want to look away from the camera so if i'm no, wrong it's okay. i apologize but it's something pretty similar to that no no i i've i've found it so we're we're good. So I've got uh, two, four, six, seven, eight in my launch agents. Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven in my launch daemons. And then if I look at my library, and keep in mind, a lot of those are probably legit, right? Like if you have Adobe, for example, installed on your computer, Adobe Creative Cloud, there's right. going to be an Adobe launch agent because it launches the menu bar. If you have um, Adagy installed on a computer, there's going to be components for Adagy in there. Like the majority of those are legit. But when you have things like the company that shall not be named, uh, and you want to get rid of it, they got to go there because otherwise it just keeps. That's the other problem. The program that you use and the other ones are persistent. You try to delete the app, it reinstalls itself. That shouldn't be allowed. No, I've uninstalled it before. Did you delete all the pieces? I thought. 
things to learn as an Apple consultant in, in uh, virtual Ohio. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so answer me this then. Uh, set app. Are you familiar with that? I don't know that one. Okay. So set app is one of those pay $10 a month and get all of these apps available. Okay. So it's, it's, I'll call it a third party app store, but the difference is you you're paying a subscription to get everything in the store. Right. 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 Okay. So, so it's one of those. And, um, so I, I guess my, my, my question would be, would you like trust nothing from set app then? No, it has nothing to do with who's no, I, 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 I wouldn't make that bold assumption okay. right there. Cause like, I don't, I have one, I don't know setup. I don't know what else is in there. It's, you know, there's probably things that are in there that work great. You know, you want to, you know, a, a different, you can't afford Photoshop and you need a photo editor. Maybe there's a photo editor that works. Like if the app is legitimate and it's got a digital certificate that works, the installer is there, it's up to date. It follows proper Apple UI protocols to install things, then you know, fine. But I, I wouldn't make a bold judgment call like that. Okay. Well, and that's I, honestly, I was just looking to figure out, you know, if if that because t- that's where the clean my Mac came from. So I can, and here's here's the other interesting piece for you. So set app. If I quit set app, it quits all the apps that I've installed from set app. Yeah, that sounds suspect. <laughs> well, be, because basically their app is like, I'll call it the central license server, so to speak. Sure, right, right. So, so it's got to call home to make sure it's working. Well, it's got to call home to make sure that you still paid your subscription. Right, right. So if, mean, if you're you not quit, online, the apps don't work? You know, I don't know because I have used them offline, I think. Yeah, they, they work offline. I would say we should test that now, but then the, this call would end very <laughs> short. It wouldn't. It wouldn't go super great. No. Um, all right. So so then let me. I had a, I had another question. So all right. So you said you know the more stuff I've got in the uh, launch daemons and launch all that stuff, the the slower my Mac will be. No. So the your startup will be. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I've got, uh, let's look here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I'm making you sadder and sadder. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, fine. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, if you include the clock, uh, 25 items up in my menu bar. Right. So, did you just die inside a little? <laughs> Uh, there's a great little tool called Butler that'll hide all of those for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's on. That's one of yeah. the 25. Okay. Uh, so, so when I when I hit the Butler button, now I've only got three. Yeah. So yeah, guys, I don't think he's actually going to offer me that uh, opportunity. The more I talk about how I use my Mac, I'm just <laughs> digging my own grave, right? Look, man, hold on. What did I tell you in the very beginning? Right, I'm a business person first. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not hating. Like you might need a little bit of training, but it could be done and, and anything possible. I'm not going to say no. I might make you take clean. I might make you take that software off your computer, but the, hold on. There are, <laughs> there are consultants that I know that, that, that do believe that the program we're talking about is a valid program. My history with it is that it hasn't been. So like, it's the same thing, right? You're talking about 
And we talked about MDM earlier, right? Or mm-hmm. let's talk about any any tool. If you used a tool and that tool caused you pain, whether emotionally, physically, mentally, would you use that tool again? Probably not. So it doesn't matter. Like this is just you're, everyone who's watching, like it's just my opinion, right? Like that particular tool that we're talking about doesn't work in my workflow. It doesn't work for my clients and it doesn't work the way I think it should work. There are better ways of doing those things from my experience and my history and, and, and looking things up on the internet and doing research that tool. And like the other one we mentioned earlier uh, are problems for me. So I don't use it, but I do know plenty of people who still use it. There's a great tool that used to exist called Onyx, O-Y-N-X. It was a great tool for like fixing startup issues and stuff like that. I know plenty, I would never use that anymore, but I know plenty of consultants who do, right? Like it's part of your own workflow. My workflow doesn't include that. My workflow is very laser focused in how we do things at our company and it doesn't include these programs. That's all. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll accept that. So basically it's not that I'm wrong. It's I'm just doing it the way you wouldn't do it. Right. Exactly. And I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, so all right. So about this one thing, it's about it. I'm sure there's many others. Don't worry. Um, All right, so I too, I, 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 I think you said you're using an M1 chip. Yeah, I have a, um, I have an Apple Silicon MacBook Pro that I'm running. Not that's not my studio computer. I have a a MacBook Pro over there. That's my my daily machine now. Yes. So, how do you like it? So at the very beginning, uh, when I got it, I got it the day they announced it. And it was the longest a new laptop sat before I op- before I used it. In the very beginning, I was very upset with um, not only the M1 chip, but also because it was the release of Mac OS Big Sur, right? And to me, it kind of hmm. felt like two beta programs at the, running at the same time. That was part one. Part two is I had done so much like customization to my own laptop you know, with my own scripts and things that I run in the background and, you know, whatever that typically I don't, I don't migrate. I I always start fresh when I get a new laptop Mm -hmm. that I actually try to start fresh multiple times with my um, Apple Silicon MacBook Pro and couldn't, like, I just couldn't make it happen because I couldn't get to where I needed to be. And so I ended up having to use migration assistant for this round um, to move it from one chipset to another and to move it from one OS to another. So well, once I did that, I love it. Now that more programs are coming out that are that are M1 native, which is also one of the biggest problems, like I use Ignite a lot uh, and we sell that as a cloud file share to our clients. The M1, there was no M1 native Ignite client until like two, three months ago, right? So like that was a problem. I, I use Adobe Illustrator a lot. Uh, for anyone who knows me, I like making t-shirts on the side. So like I use Illustrator for my t-shirt. It used to crash when I first got it, but then like two months later, it's fine. So once those initial rollout bugs were fixed by the software companies that I use and enjoy and love, it's been great. I, you know, uh, I, it's connected to a 34-inch uh, Dell through a CalDigit dock. I'm just throwing names out and hope to get some sponsorships. Um, and it's been wonderful. Like, I mean, I still restart it once a week, but I, I love it. And I've set up a lot more of them now um i recommend i'm i'm okay now recommending uh apple silicon devices running big sur with the latest os which is 11.2.3 i think at the time of this recording Hmm. all right so 
I have an M1 chip. Okay. And I use Google Drive. Good luck. I know where this is going. Well, guess what? I am able to use Google Drive. Um, yep. And and I use Google Drive's file stream, which they just rebranded to just Google Drive. And I'm, I'm using it. It works. But I, I had to, uh, when I ran it, I had to, like, reboot the computer and hold the power button and then, like, lower yes. my Mac security. <sighs> So this is something new. This isn't the. This has nothing to do with the M1. This has to do with Big Sur. Is Big Sur and and I'm not technical enough to get the the full nitty gritty on this. So you'd have to ask someone else on my team. But there were kernel extensions, and now there are systems ex, system extensions. And what used to be a kernel extension is now a system extension. And so a lot of software providers that relied on kernel extensions can't anymore. Now they have to rely on system extensions. In order for systems extensions to be approved, you actually have to reboot your Mac, disable a very important security protocol, which keeps things like malware from your computer getting on it to enable this. And then you can then set it up and then you go back and you re-enable the security protocol. It is a very convoluted problem um, that a lot of Apple consultants are seeing. I see it all the time in the Mac admins Slack group uh, where people are just complaining about this. Unfortunately, Apple has, you know, put their flag in the sand and said, this is the way it's going to be. And now either developers need to either make changes or consultants need to deal with it and figure out how to work around it. And there's really nothing else to be, to be done. So I just want to, I just want to back up for a moment. Did you say lower security or disable, whatever, install the software and then re-enable the security? It's something like that. There's a there's a built-in tool called SIP Systems Integration something, um, yeah. and so basically you disable that. You can install the application. It runs its systems extensions that it's needed, and then it gets loaded on. And then you should be able to reboot and re-enable SIP. But don't hold me to this because it's different for every it's different for every app that requires systems extensions right. um, and how they run and stuff like that. And and that's all also changing again as the operating system grows a little bit further and developers are right. developers are relying less on those extensions. And, and I will say that um, Google says supposedly that this, uh, this app is getting updated to where it, it's no longer using the extension. Yes. Yeah, so who knows? Most developers are going to go that route because it's easier um, mm. and it provides a better level of security for the end user. Got it. Okay. I didn't realize I was going to answer like hard hitting technical questions. I should have brought my technical guy on. <laughs> well, you know that's that's how I roll, man. You know, sometimes I just I I get on a a path and I just I just keep going because <laughs> now you're pro- basically uh, here's how my podcast works. Um, I I get people to come on and then you guys just give me free tech support for an hour or two. That's, <laughs> that's, that's great. So. <laughs> I, do, I do that too. Uh, we, we do a lot of business related content for Aces, and so a lot of times when we bring people on, it's me. I'm doing the same thing. I'm asking them how they're running their business, and the me. I'm like, I, when I'm off camera, I'm like writing it down in my notebook, being like, oh, I got to. Yeah. I should try doing this or like make this thing work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, so. Uh, Ryan earlier asked, uh, with, with work from home, making a big splash this year, 
where do you see the future of the MSP business going, especially as employees are increasingly relying on personal devices um, to, to do their work for the company? That's a great question, Ryan. Thanks so much for asking. Uh, I know, Ryan. What's up, buddy? Um, honestly, don't let employees work on personal devices. That's, that's mm-hmm. the end if, a, if someone went home, like when, 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 when the, when the pandemic started, um, I saw a lot of consultants being like, Hey, I'm thinking about sending this to my clients about working from home. And I'm like, this is something you should have discussed with them six months before this even started at home. People, sh- you should be still working on their work laptops. And if you don't have a work, you don't have laptops, you had desktops in the office, the office should have given them laptops. Like if you let people work on their personal stuff, you now look, and this is true for PC Mac. You're, lo- you're losing that protection of security. They're not following the employee handbook. You know that in your employee handbook at a client, it usually is a section about technology that says anything done on a work computer is work-related. As soon as you use your personal device for work-related work, that personal device is now work-related. And you don't want to mix those two. You don't. Um, so, if well, But hold on a second. You just said anything done on a work device it, uh, is work product. So if it's done on my personal device, then it's personal product. And I, I actually own the uh, intellectual property of all things that I create for the company if it's done on my product. No. Reread, I'm sorry, reread. but it's the law. <laughs> reread your handbooks. If you're doing work-related stuff, it's still owned by the company. And again, this is case by case. I'm not a lawyer. Read your handbook. The point being is don't let your staff use their personal. You don't have MDM management on it. You don't have security on it. Let's say you have a a, a client. You're an MSP. You have a client. And that client was like, we're going to let our staff use their personal laptops. And, you know, Johnny Appleseed uses his PC laptop that he also lets their kid watch videos on. Right. And they've connected to your intranet. They've connected to your file server. And the kid, not knowing what he's doing, because they're six, goes and downloads a virus. And that virus transverses through your internet and locks out your entire file system. Whose fault That's is probably it? Probably fine. <laughs> Whose fault is it? Right? So the kids don't let don't but no, but it's the kid's fault. Yeah. The kid will get fired. Um, don't let those kind of scenarios happen. And you as the MSP should be talking to your clients about that. They should be talking to your, your, your champions at the client or the CEO at the client or whoever you talk to the client and making sure that that is established. And I mean, we're a year and a half into this. If it's not already established, you are behind the ball and missed, but like that needs to be established. Clients at home, working from home, should be working on a work lab. Nobody likes carrying two cell phones. I get that, right? Nobody wants to carry a work phone and a personal phone. But like at home, work should be done on a, if you're uh, uh, the MSP taking care of a client, you should be telling that client, work should be done on a work computer and personal stuff should be done on a person. There are exceptions. The CEO is always an exception because the CEO's work and personal life are always merged. Maybe there's, you know, the someone else, but like, your work staff should be working on work computers and letting their kids use YouTube on their personal machine or get them an iPad. Um, but that's that's really like my, you have to make that distinction. Yes, there are tools that can help you do uh, cover a lot of this stuff, but like nobody's gonna want you to install your corporate tools on their personal laptop. 
Because if you read the the person, the, you know, the corporate tools, it always says like, oh, we can read your text messages. Like, even though you can't, the person who's installing that doesn't know that and freaks out. Mm-hmm. So like, don't, don't bother risking that. Work on work, person on person. That's where the division is. Now, what, what do you tell the business owner who wants to use his work computer as his personal computer as well? The business owner? Mm-hmm. You explain what the situation is. You have them sign a CYA, and you let them do what they want to do. Okay. And what's CYA stand for? Cover your ass. <laughs> is that is that like an NDA? Like a yeah, Not... it's like a TLA. <laughs> Anyone know what it's you know what a TLA is, right? No. Three letter acronym. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> I thought it was a. No. IT people love their love their uh, acronyms. What do you want to tell you? Yeah, have the owner co- sign a CYA that they understand your recommendation is that they do they should have it separate, but you understand they're also the CEO, and that they will not hold you responsible if something goes wrong if they're using their work computer for personal things. Um, that's pretty. I mean, there's nicer ways to say it than a CYA, but you can write it into your contracts. You could have them, and it needs to be signed. It can't just be an email. Um, have them sign something saying, like, this is what I recommend. You are ignoring my recommendations, and therefore you will hold harmless if you do something wrong. Done. And if they don't sign it, if they don't sign it, they'll end up realizing how serious you are about it, and they'll either not do it, or when the time comes, you can say, I, if, you know, and they sue you because something happened, you say, I presented this on this date and they didn't sign it. It I gave them my information and you let it play out in court, which hopefully doesn't but, happen. So, so I just want to throw this out there. If you present a legal document and someone doesn't sign it, um, I personally would, would look at this as a sign of either a, they, they understand and uh, will, will do what you recommend or B they they don't care what you think and they think this document's stupid and they're not going to sign it. Right. Um and if it's the latter of the two, isn't that a good reason to just like not do business with them anymore? Exactly. That is 100% correct. You've made up for using that program earlier on your Mac. Um yeah, you probably don't want to be working with them because they don't trust you and they don't take your recommendations and you as the MSP are supposed to be the expert authority on this. Yeah. Yeah. So we have um, we have a question here from precursor.ca. It says, looking good, Justin. Thanks, man. Appreciate you being here. And he, he wants you to speak to how MSPs have been evolving in the last year. So, uh, hey, Alex, put it in the comments and see if will tell me. You still do hourly billing, right? Because I want to make sure. I, wanna, I know you and Alan had a fight about this a couple of years ago at ACES, and I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Um, so how MSPs have been evolving in the last year. I can only speak about the Apple side. You know, the PC market's not my game. But mm-hmm. Apple Consultants, one, like I said earlier, MSP is a newer term in the Apple Consultants industry. Um, you know, PC MSPs have been saying the, 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 the three letter acronym MSP for 20 something years. And really it's only made its way into Apple vernacular 
in the last like five. As that's growing and, and more momentum behind it, we're seeing how MRR comes into play, that monthly recurring revenue that we talked about earlier. And a lot of MSPs that are trying to grow, uh, which by the way, if you want to grow, come to ACES. But if you're learning how to grow, you're learning to grow not only by selling IT services, but also by reselling things like your Google and your office licenses, reselling Ignite licenses, selling dark web monitoring, selling malware bytes. Like these are all line items on our invoices that we use to grow our monthly recurring revenue. And that's where it is. I think a lot of MSPs are soon going to become MSSPs, especially with, you know, a lot of people not returning to the office and the whole work from home hybrid thing. Um, we need to be able to provide security. I think one of the funniest things, and I say this a lot, is like when all of this started, people went from managing 40 computers behind one network to managing 40 computers behind 40 networks, right? And for a lot of us, it, it caused massive headaches and stress and like, how do we do this, right? So I know a couple people have done this and we did this also at Virtua we immediately went in and looked for a tool that we can use to protect those work computers at home because we can't tap into Johnny Appleseed's, you know, Fios uh, router that he pays 30 bucks a month for. So we went ahead and installed DNS filter on everyone's computer. Um, and the reason we did that was we can block malware, pornography, alcohol, bit, uh, phishing site, things like that from uh, within the DNS filter. And now we're able to provide another level of security that going back to that MS SSP part, right? Adding another level of security. So MSPs, especially in the in this year, 2021, have to think about as people are starting to go back to the office, talk to the owners, talk to your champions over there. How is their office gonna play out? Are they gonna stay at home? Are they gonna do a hybrid? Are you forcing everyone back in the office? And shift to account for that. Right. It's not going to go back to the way it was in 2019, 2018, where everybody was in the office. That's just not going to happen, not at least for the next three to five years. So we all have to shift, shift our perspective and say, how can we take care of a computer, whether it's in the office or at home, whether it stays in the office, whether it stays at home or commutes in between more so than we ever have before. And that involves network monitoring definitely upping your antivirus and malware. Um, you know, some people only run it once a day, move it to twice a day, like whatever it takes uh, uh, to do that. Talk to those people who are working at home about don't letting, don't let your kid use your work laptop. Talking to those people who are working from home about, hey, you know, how's the Wi-Fi in your, in your new home office that you had to build at the last minute? Maybe we should come in and do some networking and maybe we'll put in a Wi-Fi access point that we can manage. Like, we send a lot of eros out to home users, like uh, like people who are working remote, like uh, not home users, but like people who are working home. And so we became Eero Pro installers. We can remotely manage their eros for them, um, and it's still kind of like a consumer level device, right? It's not like we're installing Rockies in people's houses. We're installing eros. So right. anything you can do to help control the flow of traffic help control that security and help making sure that just like as if everyone was in the office, you're providing that same level of uh, white glove, excellent customer support and security that you would normally do there, but distributed amongst the people at home. So I hope that answers your question, Alex. 
I, I think it does. I want to come back to the Euro Pro thing, but first, I have a bone to pick with you, sir. You said that um, you believe that MSPs are going to transition to MSSPs. Now, I'm all for adding a second S. I'm more of an SMSP, uh, spectacularly managed services provider type of guy. Um, I, I don't believe that MSPs belong in the cybersecurity expert space. And no, Eric, fine. Taylor here in the chat, yeah. Eric Taylor here in the chat uh, uh, screamed it. He, I actually can tell he's angry because he used capital letters and several yeah. words. Ooh, sorry, Eric. <laughs> so so let me let me say that I do think that MSPs need to get more serious about cybersecurity. Um, that's why a, a lot of my guests lately have been talking about cybersecurity. I just had Adea Security on this morning, and we talked about their all-in-one cybersecurity platform for SMBs, and they support Mac, and they support M1 chips and Big Sur, so you should check them out. Um, so so I'll, I'll agree that, that we need to take security more seriously, but I also think that... Um, you know, security is like a freight train, man. And yeah. we we kind of jumped off the train uh, a few years ago. You know, we we got our antivirus and our DNS filters, and and we thought we were good. And you know that that train kept moving. And I mean, we can run, we can try and catch it, but we're not hopping back on that train. Like it takes years of of training and testing and all this stuff to to really become a cybersecurity expert and you should have like a, a red team blue team situation if you're going to be an mssp you should have a sock and a sim um and i just i just want to clarify that what you were talking about doing is great for security but it's not an mssp that's fair that and, that, and that's totally fine i completely agree with you and eric i i'm very sorry i, I offended you like that yes MSPs need to up their security game, hardcore. Whatever you want. I, and again, I said at the very beginning, I don't even like the term MSP. So, like, if you're an IT consultant, you can't just fix the computer and, and walk away. You have to up your security. Do you need to be, you know, DOD certified cybersecurity experts writing, you know, documentation and, and being able to provide SOC 2 reports? No. Hire experts for that. Know when to hire experts for that. Bring experts onto your team. Grow your team that way. Fine. If it's not, it may not be that acronym MSP and MSSP. I apologize. Um, so I'm sorry if I use the wrong acronym there. But but yes, you, okay. every IT person in today's day and age needs to up their security uh, knowledge, even if it's something as minimal as like running your clients through dark web scanners, like or doing phishing training. Like these are things that like especially Alpha consultants didn't do four or five years oh, ago. Yeah. Um, and now are like, oh, you know, oh, crap, we got to do this. So like every client we do has dark web. We do phishing training. We do phishing uh, uh, simulations. We put DNS filter on all the machines. We you know provide every laptop that we have. Well, almost every laptop because I don't want I don't want to speak out of turn and someone call me out on this. But like almost every laptop we have, we make sure file vault is in, enabled. Right, do encryption on the machine. Like there are all these things you can do. Every one of those steps will up your game and make you a better consultant. And and I gotta say, with um, with FileVault, I don't see any reason we shouldn't be turning that on on every Mac because 
I can you know, tell you the reasons. Well, let's okay. So the 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 reason that I could think of is it's not like they can pull the drive out of the Mac. No, the one reason to not do file vault is if you're a consultant and you're lazy, and I'll tell you why. When file vault is enabled, until the user signs it to file vault, you can't remote into that machine. Right, the machine is offline until file vault gets passed. Then the Wi-Fi turns on. So that's the only reason why people don't do file vault, and I still think that's not a good enough reason. I don't think that's a good enough reason. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's go back to this Eero Pro thing. Sure. You said you can manage these remotely. Is it because you just install the app and log in as the end user? No. If you actually become an Eero Pro installer, uh, there and there's a Way to do it, I think it's just pro.ero.com. You apply, you give them your information. You have to provide insurance, again, probably um, a blood type, whatever. Uh, when you are an Eero Pro installer, you can actually build and manage their network completely from a web interface. Hmm. That sounds kind of neat. So I have a client, wow. true story. They got, she had an Apple airport base station, and she was like, my Wi-Fi doesn't work. And I was like, yeah, no crap. So <laughs> yeah, you're using 15 year old technology. Right. So I, I sent her a link on Amazon to an Eero Pro and two Eero Beacons, which I still think are the best piece of their technology. And I went into my pro installer and I said, okay, read me the serial number on the back of the unit. She sends me the pictures of the serial numbers. I put them into the pro installer. And then from there it said, okay, uh, what do you want? And I followed the steps and I was like, I called it, you know, so-and-so's network and, I labeled each beacon. I said, plug this in here, plug this in here. Let's make sure it works. And like the user didn't have to do anything. All the user had to do was once I finished, I assigned her as the admin. She accepted it. And now she can control it herself also. So like, it's super easy to do. It doesn't cost anything. Um, and if, and, and I am a bit, I love Eero. I think it's a great product. Um, uh, even though Amazon owns it now. Um, but like, I, I love that as, as a, as a, if you can't do ubiquity or, or Meraki in someone's house because it's cost uh, ineffective, which makes sense, go Eero. Okay. Now, on the flip side, would you start using Eero inside a business? It, we have only in cases where businesses are less than uh, five people. Okay. So you would not put Eero into a company that has like 50 people. No, because there's probably more things that we would want to accomplish that we can't accomplish with the Eero. For example, VPN. Now, I don't know if Eero could do VPN. I've never tried VPN over Eero, but we're a Meraki shop through and through, and we know that Meraki VPN is rock solid. We can push out a Meraki VPN configuration through our MDM adagy without a problem. So we stick to what we know, and we do it that way. I'm going to assume that it cannot do a VPN because... Why would anyone want a VPN in their home, right? Like, unless you know there are people of an MSP, there is zero reason to have VPN to your home. Right, right. So, um, I I gotta say the fact that you are a Meraki shop does not surprise me. Um, they are one of those. It's super easy. It's super expensive, but it just works, and that's kind of like best in class. Um, that's on par for Apple, so why not? <laughs> it, no, I don't think it has anything with Apple because I know plenty of Apple consultants that are ubiquity through and through. And like the fact is, is for us, is that I I personally 
feel that Meraki is best in class, even before they were owned by Cisco. I, and I think what they put out is a great product. I think the user interface is wonderful. We talked about that earlier. Um, I do think that their switches are ridiculously overpriced. I don't understand paying $5,000 for a 48 port full, uh, full power PLE switch. But if the case requires it, if the client has VoIP phones, for example, or you know all these different things or IoT devices, then it makes sense. And the return on investment is there. And the next thing that I'm going to say is don't pay up front for any of these things lease everything we can have a whole conversation about this but like it manages cash flow it makes it easier and it's an easier pill to swallow when you're selling very expensive networking equipment because you know it works so how are you leasing it you're just calling up greater america or whatever that uh so we used to use a reseller to do all of our stuff so ingram micro does leasing cit does leasing it depends on you know who i feel like i want to call and talk to and listen to that day or you know, who's going to give me a better price or who's going to give my client a better rate. Okay. So you're not even purchasing it directly with a lease. You're having the client do a lease. The, right. The client is leasing it directly through CID. We just manage the lease and the equipment for them. So when, when you use like CIT, for example, and you're doing a lease, and I think this is important for, for MSPs, especially those growing ones. So let's say you, the MSP, want to start doing like hardware as a service um the probably the best practice method is to get the client to sign um some type of lease through a company especially if you can get uh the leasing company to also work with you to have everything get paid through that leasing company and then they just pass the the dollars for the service onto you Sure, that's a great that's a great way to do it. Is that how you're doing it? No, but that is another way to that's another way to skin the cat. Absolutely, we we don't I, we charge for you know the way we bill. Like we only we don't really charge for network management. So like we and we're not, our company isn't built on selling hardware. Our company is built on selling services. So like. Got it. If you're going to lease, like throw, get the leasing company, throw a couple bucks in there and then great. And then, but you're still should be taking care of the client, like at the end of the day. Right. So take care of the client, whether, however you get paid, uh, it doesn't matter. Do get paid. How you get paid doesn't matter, but do get paid. Yes, definitely get paid. And I know the, the one thing that, that really grinds my gears, um, is (laughs) You gotta put the logo on. You need to grind my gear logo on the top right there. Oh, I, I, you know, it's, it's. Maybe I'll, I'll make that a new segment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, so, so the one thing that that really just upsets me is when uh, a person reaches out to an IT person, an IT professional. Person reaches out and and they say, hey. My Office 365 isn't working. And I say, did you pay the bill? Yeah. And then they go, what bill? (laughs) Somebody's paying or not paying it. Right. So, yeah, like this this may or may not have happened to me a couple months ago where uh, a person who should have retired several years ago after selling a business because he was old and didn't want to do it anymore... Uh, this person 
started up a company and had me um, set up the uh, Office 365 for him at the time. So he he then starts being a terrible payer. So I decide, you know what? You can just get it from Microsoft cheaper. I'm okay with you just going direct to Microsoft, and then we'll mm-hmm. just kind of part ways here. Bye. So he did that, and then he stopped paying Microsoft. And uh, and then he's he's calling me for tech support, and I'm like, I don't understand why you're calling me. It has nothing to do with me. Like, I am happy to help you. Here's my rate. Right. And then he dodges that question or that that comment and then goes back to the, well, I don't understand why it doesn't work. Well, have you tried calling Microsoft? Because reasons? Like, I don't know what to so tell you, man. That story makes it makes perfect sense. There's a couple of things that I would say to MSPs that are trying to 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 grow from that. Number one is yes, you did the right thing in the beginning. You you, you were paying for their Office 365 tenant, and they were paying you, and then they stopped paying you. So you said, "I'm not going to deal with this." At that point, instead of sending them to Office 365, to Microsoft directly, I would get involved with what's called a master service agent. There's a couple out there. We use uh, Taloris. There's another one. Um, I forget the name off the head of my head, such as S, I think. Um, and companies like that can find providers that can resell things as well and give you money for that, like a kickback or a oh. spiff or a recurring revenue. So, like, which I would love to get a spiff of four dollars a month. Let me tell you. You know what though? That's that that spiff of four dollars a month is something that that even if it's fifty cents, it's not. You just found fifty cents, in, you know, in your pocket, right? Like. You always, there's always opportunities there. So like you can get involved with an MSA uh, uh, and like we use them for Office 365 in some rare cases when we can't sell it ourselves. And so doing that allows them to send some money back our way. So like this way, we're not getting taken out of it altogether. And then then after that, if that's failing, then go to Microsoft and say, cool. That's happened to us plenty of times where someone's called and says, hey, my email's not working. Oh, they didn't pay the bill. At that point, we say, you know what? That's a great opportunity for you to come into under our tenant because you can do it as Google reseller as well. And we'll make a couple bucks. That doesn't matter. But the point is like our credit card always stays up to date. So you don't have to worry about your email anymore. And that's one less thing you, client, need to worry about. And one more thing that me, MSP, will take care of for you because I'm trying to provide you best-in-class service. Well, and when, when you tell the guy, I'm happy to help you, and then he says but I don't have enough money on my credit card to pay you. Well, that's a different story. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know what? depending on like, and I don't know the whole situation. I don't know who the person is. Sometimes in a rare case, it's good for karma. Sometimes nothing. This one sometimes, because you also, you never know who this person knows. So maybe you say, you know what? I feel you, I get it, we're in a pandemic. Here's what I'll do for you. Uh, I'll spend no more than one hour helping you get this solved. If I solve it, I want you to leave me a review on my Facebook page, on my Yelp page, on my Apple Consultants locator page, whatever. You write those three reviews and if I help you for one hour and I don't charge you. I'm not saying do that often. I'm saying like, and this is something that's coming up on my head right now, like, Karma goes a long way, especially with clients. I don't know, man. <laughs> this guy, 
This guy. This guy might I would say it with literally anybody else. Absolutely. Then fine. Forget this dude. Forget him. Send him a, so, send him a cease and desist. I don't know. <laughs> cease and desist. Please cease and desist from calling me. From calling me. No joke. I had to do that uh, yesterday. Uh, and uh, 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 My six-year-old son got a literal piece of spam mail from a local insurance provider. And I had to call him going, uh, do you think my six-year-old's going to pay for home and auto insurance? And they were shocked and aboard by the fact that this happened. Yeah, whatever. Get them off your list. Like, it happens. So this guy, this one client, maybe not. that, not But there's plenty of other people who are watching who are been in those kind of situations that need another way out. And so either it's karma. We did that. We we did, We did. have a school that we took care of. Their budget didn't really fit for having us the first year. So we did pro bono in exchange for reviews. Um, and we provided such good service that they were able to fit us into the budget for the next five years. Like you never know what's going to come, right? Hmm. So everything is situational. At the end of the day, this is why I keep I keep coming back to this: is you have to be business focused first. You have to be client focused first. You have to be able to provide a good product to your client. That product is not IT services. That product is you. End of story for or your company. And so if you can provide a good product. And you can provide services and your client is happy. And then you can call them up and say, hey, it was just, you know, I saw something on the news that reminded me about you. Or like, I saw this article. I thought this was great. And they respond as opposed to going, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to talk to you. Just call, call me when something breaks. And you have a good rapport with that client. They will stay with you for a long time. You will make the most amount of money you can off of them. And everyone will be happy. And that's the way to run a proper MSP. Huh. Mic drop. <laughs> And I think that that's an excellent place for us to start wrapping up, Justin. I I really do appreciate you coming on here and putting up with me and my difficult questions. Um, you you said that you do consulting for consultants, mm -hmm. and and we didn't even talk about the thing I really wanted to talk about, which was didn't you say you wrote a book? I did write a book, yeah. I wrote a couple books. Yeah. So here I'll, well, well later, later when you, when you re-edit this episode, this part that we'll discuss now, will go to the beginning of the episode, but anyone watching live. Well, I don't YouTube, edit episodes, Justin. Everyone gets in the live. Okay. So here's, here's the story, right? <laughs> so hi, my name is Justin Escar. I run the virtual consulting group. Uh, in 2008, when I was let go from, uh, I started in 2004 at an Apple consultancy. In 2005, the owner of that company sold to a local ISP. And then over the next three years, whoever became whoever got in charge of the Apple department inevitably got fired. So in 2007, when they they let go of the guy above me and I became the manager of the department, I was like, time's ticking. So second week in January 2008, they let me go. The following Monday, I flew to California for Macworld. I saw the release of the first MacBook Air. One of the last uh, times Steve Jobs was ever on stage, I saw him on the on the floor. Came home, made a couple phone calls, and was able to get some clients. Started my own IT consulting agency called Virtual Computers. Now, at the time, I was doing paperwork tickets uh, where I would actually literally hand the client a copy, and I would keep a copy, and I had a studio apartment in New York City. So, like, after a while, the paper filled up. In 2011, um, the iPad came out. And so, using the iPad, I was playing with, like, a drawing, uh, like a drawing app, and I realized I can draw mm -hmm. my signature on it. And so through research and whatever, 
um, I found how to outsource coding because I don't code. And I built a very popular app called Sign My Pad. It was one of the, it was the first digital signature application for the iPad. It was an analog signature in a digital frame. Um, and it was widely popular. And I didn't even know it went live until literally like two days after I had submitted to the App Store. I got a phone call from somebody at a, at a very large broadcasting network being like, hey, can we use your app to have like extra sign a document? I was like, whoa, one, how'd you get my phone number? And two, my app is live. Um, did the software thing, which led me into doing speaking about it. And I kind of did a riff on the four hour work week where I said, if you work an extra four hours of work a week, you can make a lot of money in the app game and you can outsource ideas, which led me to the book, Capitalize on Your Idea, which is now on the Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. And in there is, it's like a hundred pages. It's super easy to read. It's literally a step-by-step guide on how to take any idea and make it an actual thing. And I've used that same method for all the other apps I've built since then. Um, after that, uh, I started diving more into the business side of IT consulting and mm -hmm. going to a lot of Apple-related conferences. And there were no business-related conferences for Mac people. And so I started the ACES conference. And ACES is all about marketing and management and hiring and firing and contracts and learning about other revenue streams that we talked about earlier. And, you know, uh, should you bill hourly? Should you bill, uh, you know, unlimited hours? How should you do that kind of stuff? Um, business process, mental health, all of that was built into it. From there, in 2019, I brought everything under one company called the Virtual Consulting Group, which has virtual computers, the IT division, virtual uh, think tank, which is our software develop division where we have apps such as Your Computer Inventory, FreshBooks Time Tracker Plus, Email Phoenix. Um, I have the conference under virtual conferences. We have the ACES conference and we have a mastermind program uh, that goes on with ACES. And I started virtual consulting where I consult with you as a business coach or business mentor to help you grow your business one-on-one -on -one, um, and provide as much insight to help you grow your business. So that's that's all of it right there. So yeah, so the book's on Amazon. And I actually, in the midst of everything, I also wrote a children's book with my wife, which is also on Amazon. And I started a t-shirt store, all found at virtualconsultinggroup.com. That's really cool. So children's book, what's it about? Uh, a dinosaur that has allergies. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All and right. I um, use the same outsourcing techniques that I'd use for my apps on getting the book done. I'm telling you the, the book, Appetize on your idea can work for, with any idea, any idea. And your apps, is is this through Autrive software development? So, oh, yeah. It used to be Autrive. Autrive is no longer. We, we merged it. Now it's the Virtua Think Tank or Virtua XYZ. So all our apps are that are there um, are all on the website. Do you do you need to do a domain DNS redirect from Autrive.com? No. We, it's there for legacy because I like going back and reading about how I, how, how I did things. We actually had some really good stories. There was times where we fought with Wired Magazine over the price of our app. We fought with Apple over the use of iCloud Drive. All of that is legacy. I want to keep it there just for that. Hmm. That's kind of neat. All right. Well, we'll have to talk again sometime about app development because I think that could be a, a really fun conversation. Sure. I. I, I've always, my wife thinks she has some great ideas for apps. I, I think I have a great idea for an app too. So don't, everyone likes, don't, don't no, 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 it's okay. Ask. No, no, it's, 
it's it's a great app idea. Okay, here's okay. here's what it is. Okay, so everyone likes um, uh, like like doctors' offices. They all love their filing cabinets, right? Right. So we'll make an app. It's a filing cabinet app, and you click, and you can pull open the drawer, and you can sift through the files, and then there's your. Oh, look, this Word document. That's perfect. Just what I need. <laughs> like a UI cover over. I like it. Too. Yes. <laughs> there you go. You got my stamp right. of approval. See, this is why you need to think. Now you should have like a stamp icon that like jumps across my face. Stamp of approval. <laughs> yeah, You know, that's not a bad idea to get like a rejected. Like <laughs> <laughs> like the John Oliver, like the John Oliver pumpkin spice latte thing. Like that stamp that comes, you know what I'm talking about? You know, I I think I missed that one. Go back. Just I Google love John, John Oliver. Google John Oliver pumpkin spice latte. You'll you'll see it. It's funny. Uh, I'm I'm doing it right now. <laughs> but I I dude I I think my favorite thing that he's done in the last year was when he blew up 2020. Nice. Yeah, that was a good one. So yeah. Well, Justin, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Um, I, I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you, everybody, for uh, coming to the second one today. And I will see you all next week on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. 